0: Welcome everyone, I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the Director of the Respect Life Office for the Arts Diocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro Life. Each month we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena, we'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is welcoming those with disabilities. Let's talk now with this week's guest. Will you please introduce yourself?
1: Hello, my name is Father Matthew Schneider. I'm a priest of the Legionaries of Christ. I currently live in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and I used to do ministry in the Cincinnati Archdiocese back 2007 to 2010 as a religious brother.
0: I didn't realize until you just said that that you have some history with Cincinnati. 2000 2000- 7 to 2010? Is that what you Yes, I was.
1: I was a religious brother, and in my community, we usually do a few years kind of out in the field as a brother between philosophy and theology, and I was doing that traveling around Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky a little bit, but spending a lot of time in Cincinnati.
0: So Father Matthew, our topic today is being more welcoming to those with various kinds of disabilities. You have even some personal contact with Autism. Wanted to tell a little about your history with
1: autism. I always felt a little bit different, but I never really felt so substantially different. But then my first year after I was ordained, I was assigned to be a school chaplain up at a school in Canada. And after the first year of that, they were kind of like, "Well, we don't, we don't want you back," even though we kind of set it up for three years. And I'm wondering what's going on. And they started saying, "Well, you're not picking up this sign and that sign with all the kids and all the kind of social interaction things that." you should be picking out from these kids. And they suggested maybe Asperger's or autism or something like that. A little bit after that, I I end up getting diagnosed. When I was first diagnosed, I was kind of really down on that. Within a few weeks, I started to read up. I realized, oh, wow, these things that I thought were just a little bit different are actually much more substantially different than, than I had previously thought. For example, there's a lot of things that most people do subconsciously in social interactions where I've always done them consciously and I just assumed everybody else is doing them consciously just maybe a little bit better than I was but then I realized oh no they're all just doing them subconsciously and it's not even like a thought process for them and I also realized around the same time well there's very little in the church the catholic church really reaching out to this community right now with the current diagnostic criteria and everything you're looking at one and a half two percent of the population and you look at how much ministry overall in North America, there is, and I'm like, there's almost nothing. And so I realized that point that at some future point, I need to be public about being autistic as a priest, as really a way to reach out to others who are autistic. And with that, I go back in about a year ago, 2019, World Autism Awareness Day on April 2nd, I'm made a public announcement that I was autistic
0: autism is a spectrum you don't have all of those things but you were focusing particularly on difficulty reading if you will reading people's faces reading their emotions understanding what people are are expressing outside of of words is that a fair statement there
1: Yes, that's something that almost everyone on the spectrum struggles with. Uh, I think we have a different way of expressing facial expressions and emotions and things. And oftentimes we can understand each other, but since we're, you know, one and a half, two percent of the population, it could be a real struggle to understand everybody else because we're not expressing things the same way as everybody else. And so it is a real struggle a lot of times. Some of the other things with autism are things like sensory sensitivities, or other aspects of, you know, just how you think, the, the way you process information. It's often com- comorbid with a lot of other conditions like anxiety, intellectual disability, um, ADHD, and things like that as well.
0: So Father Matthew, if you have a child who is autistic or has similar issues like that, what makes it more difficult to bring that child to mass?
1: There are several things. First of all, a lot of times there's those sensory issues. Part of autism is difficulty in how we process sensory information in our brain. It's not so much... That our senses are defective, like if we do a hearing test or do a sight test, we'll pass just normally. But then, just how we process it is often a challenge. Like a lot of times, autistics will struggle if somebody's speaking nearby to distinguish that person speaking nearby from the person speaking right to them. We lack a lot of those kind of mental filters to do that kind of sensory processing, or the filters are a little are adjusted differently than most people. With math, you know, the lights, the sounds. The smells and things like that that are often a big challenge because we can get overwhelmed. A lot of autistics will will have a sensitivity, and they might they might notice the flicker in fluorescent lights because fluorescent lights flicker back and forth like 50 times a second. Most people don't even realize that that's a flicker because it's so fast. Your brain just processes it into a solid light. But if you don't do that, it, it's almost like there's a strobe light above you, and you can imagine being under a strobe light for an hour would not be the most uh, enjoyable sensory experience. Right, uh, right. Just as one example, um, right. and then there's other aspects with acceptance in the parish community. Like for example, a lot of autistics will do things like stimming.
0: Real quick, you mentioned. Stemming, and I know what that is, right? But is that, is that an acronym, though, for something?
1: It's a short form for self-stimulation in some form that a lot of autistics use to to regulate our sensory input because almost all of us have some some issue with sensory input. Julia, who's the autistic character on Sesame Street, they actually made two versions of her puppet arms. One that's a normal puppet arm and the other one with almost no wrist strength so that she would flap like this, because that's a very common thing that autistic people will do. It varies person to person, but the basic idea is kind of using uh, external motions in order to regulate your internal sensory experience, or your internal emotional experience. And also another common one is called proprioceptic, which is basically proprioception is part of the sense of touch, which is our own relationship to where our body is in space. Like somebody will be rocking like back and forth, you know, a lot. And that's a kind of another form of stimming that's common. Whereas a lot of other people can regulate it completely internally. I need to have that external aspect to regulate it. And so just even that judgment on how parishes react to those type of things, that, that's just kind of, okay, fine. Yeah, that person needs to take a fidget spinner out in, in mass and spin it around and not to worry about that, just to kind of say, okay, that's fine you know, by the rest of the people around it. And then finally, I would just talk about how, how you preach. One thing about autistics, because of the emotional aspect and, the, and different, different way emotions are processed, I think a lot of times, a lot of preaching, we focus in an emotional way that doesn't really work for autistics as much. We can be emotional, but it's, it's in a slightly different way than an average person. So oftentimes in things like preaching, to be more logical, to be, to be more measured, and not to kind of put in a very strong emotional thing that we might not grasp and we might not respond to properly. Now, we
0: have had autism specifically as a topic, and here in the Cincinnati Archdiocese in Dayton, we have several sensory masses. Let's break that down just a little bit, right? Some of the things as a parent, if you want to think, okay, I want to, because what happens, first of all, at, at a typical mass, if you have a child who has difficulty with some of these sensory input, you've got fluorescent lights, you've got some loud bombastic music going on here and there, how does a child react to that? Why is it a problem?
1: It's like our sensory filtering is different. So something which sounds like normal volume for music for others might sound like being standing right in front of the speaker at a rock concert to somebody who's autistic. I personally, and not that with the volume as far as volume, audio input, I'm not too much trouble. But I know myself, like the crosstalk can be more difficult for me. Like if I'm in a big dinner or something... All as much as possible. Try and sit so my back is against the wall, because otherwise I'll end up hearing the conversation behind me and have to do a lot of extra work to process me talking to the person beside me at the table here, versus hearing the conversation happening at the table behind me.
0: Right, and a child, you know, when a child is going through that, they're just going to react. They can react very strong. They can cry. They can they can be loud. They can get really antsy. And, uh, and behave in a way that most people would consider, that most people would look at that and say, what's wrong with those parents? <laughs> Can't they oh, control yeah, their and child? That's, and
1: that's why I think and that's <laughs> the other advantage, like I was talking about using the fidget spin or other things where parents, where if everyone else at the mass understands that, they'll be more open to that. It's hard to even understand it because a lot of times when kids are are little, They don't understand exactly why, and they can't express themselves well. You know, like I can explain to to you, oh, like this particular set of sounds is difficult for me to process, but somebody who's five is just like, oh, this is painful, this is difficult, and they they just start reacting and running around and all kinds of things because they don't know how to express themselves that well at five, which is pretty normal for (laughs) so five-year-olds. <laughs> for a no matter year old. who they are, five-year-olds often have trouble expressing themselves in adult language.
0: What about religious education, right, for people with sensory issues? we going to talk a little bit about how we can be more accommodating for kids who are presenting themselves for a first communion, for example.
1: I think a lot of times it depends on looking at what their what their sensory issues are. Sometimes it just might be that they have their first communion at one of those sensory-friendly masses or things, something like that. Other times there can be other issues as far as what class they do like for instance if they have a difficulty with crosstalk to be for the teacher to be very attentive in their class to make sure other people aren't talking while the teacher's talking so they can hear the teacher without hearing the other student talk and right. not being able to understand the teacher because they, they can't distinguish those two sounds and as well i think to make sure it's presented kind of in that rational way so it doesn't seem emotionally overwhelming because a lot of us can very easily become emotionally overwhelmed as, as well
0: do you want to talk about some other issues that might be related, either either developmental issues, things like yeah. that, that, that we can be better aware of, right, as parish ministers to make the mass and our religious education more welcoming to families who have kids or even adults uh, with various issues like that?
1: For example, for a religious education, if the person also has a, some kind of developmental disability or intellectual delay, which is way more common with being autistic, Loyola Press out of Chicago has an adaptive first communion kit which is a simplified version. And the church has said that as long as somebody can distinguish the bread of the Eucharist from ordinary bread, they can understand it. If you look online, I did an unboxing video of the first reconciliation kit on YouTube to give kind of a perspective for people who might be considering buying it or something.
0: Uh, They have a reconciliation kit, a first Communion kit, and a confirmation kit, at least those three. Anyway, we have all of those. We can have that on our on the website, catholicsincident.org slash being-pro-life. Go to that site and you'll find uh, those links as well. And we'll put a link to your video on there, right? You yeah. said you did that with the First Communion Kit.
1: If you just search on YouTube, I'm sure you can find it pretty easily. I don't I don't remember the exact one. My channel is Autistic Priest. And there's only like 10 videos, so you can't miss it. So it's not hard to find.
0: <laughs> it's not like you have to search through a thousand of them. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Another thing that, that parishes can do if you're not in the Dayton area where they have that sensory friendly mass, one thing that a number of parishes elsewhere in the country have done is basically do a reverse cry room where at one of the masses on Sunday, they take the cry room and they turn down the light, turn down the volume on the speaker system and leave it for people with sensory sensitivities. And it makes it very easy to have a space if there's a few at the, at the parish, but you don't quite have enough to have a separate Mass.
0: Yeah, we have at least one church in Cincinnati that does it. It's at Maximilian Colby. It's it's not a cry room. It's a bigger room. They have a video in there, of course. So you can watch the Mass on video. That's going on at the same time, right? And then they leave the room usually to go to communion or a communion minister can go into that, into that room. You know,
1: I've seen ones like that. I know a parish where I was in uh, Washington, D.C. did something like that. One of the Eucharistic ministers would go back to the cry room. And I remember I was there, I think it was like, it was a big mass, like the Easter Vigil or something. And so we had like four priests, I was helping out there. And I ended up going back because at that mass, usually it was one of the extraordinary ministers, but at that mass, there were, you know, multiple priests. So it ended up being myself going back there.
0: I know that sometimes, certainly with autism, perhaps with other Sensory issues, as well. It can be helpful. The child can uh, sit in the classroom with the other children if there's like a helper, right? Someone sitting with that child, just kind of helping, making sure they're understanding what the teacher is saying. That
1: can help sometimes with different things. I remember when I was a religious brother in the seminary, I was teaching a catechism class in Connecticut where where I was in the seminary. And one year, I did it for several years. One year, there was a deaf interpreter at my class who would basically sign whatever I said to two or three deaf students who were in the parish. So, and I think they kind of combined them because I, like one of the deaf students looked like a year or two older than everybody else. And one of them looked a year or two younger. I think it was like, they had like one in each of three years and they just said, okay, the three of you go in the middle year and and just follow through (laughs) that way so that we can, we can make sure we can get an interpreter. Otherwise it's, you know, it's a little challenging sometimes to find every to make every accommodation for every circumstance. And it has to be kind of a workout between the parish and the individuals who have disabilities.
0: That sounds reasonable to me, right? If you you happen to have three children who are deaf, who are a year or two apart, put them in the one classroom because you're paying for for the interpreter for that classroom. I think a lot of people who have children who have various kinds of abilities, often they might go to the religious education leader and say, hey, I'd like some religious education for my child, and that person might say, "Well, here's the textbook. You know, you can teach your child, but I mean, I can't change everything that I do in order to accommodate one child with a disability." Do, do you have anything to say about that kind of a that kind of an attitude, or or where we are in a church when when that's the response?
1: As a church, we have to realize each person and where they're coming from, and sometimes people are going to come with with different disabilities. They're going to come, and we have to be ready to to look at how they can be helped in in their situation because so often we tend to work like just on a cookie cutter and a cookie cutter doesn't work for everybody. I mean, it might work for 80% of the the parish and that's fine, but we have to realize, okay, that's the other 10, 20% who it doesn't work for. We have to adjust a little bit because we see them as a person and we see them as a person who has particular needs that we can accommodate, not just this disability or that disability or this thing or that thing.
0: Do you know of any parishes where you've you've watched them say, oh, well, they really do a really good job in their religious education program. They have the volunteers necessary, whatever it is. And and what are some of the secrets of trying to find the help you need in order to be able to accommodate more people who have different kinds of abilities?
1: Well, I've, I've seen a few places where it's more of they start something at one parish and then it attracts the parishes nearby. I know, for example... I'm forgetting where it is. It's somewhere on the north side of Atlanta. One parish hired somebody part-time to be a DRE focusing just on autistics, intellectual disabilities, and I think uh, one or two other kind of related uh, disabilities. And they really started to have a very good program to help these kids understand the faith. And the same thing I've seen when I was in DC, they had one parish was kind of the deaf parish, and they would have, you know, a deaf mass every week with an interpreter, and then they would have a deaf CCD program for all the kids where they didn't even talk, they just did the sign, they they just signed. There are different things where I think that that's been done where it's kind of, where they start something and then it attracts those around, so. Uh, the
0: old phrase for the movie: "If you build it, they will come." Right? Sometimes we think, oh, "Well, they're not even—they're not even at my parish." If you make it known that you can be accommodating for various uh, abilities, and they will—they'll start coming, right? Because they know that you're going to take care of them. We talked a little bit about things. We talked a little bit about lighting. We talked a little bit about these sensory-friendly masses that uh, that are happening in the Dayton area. We briefly mentioned that series from Loyola Press, right, with the adaptive kit for reconciliation. First Communion, any for confirmation. Anything else you want to say, whether it's to a parish leader or even to the regular person in the pew, right? What can we do to be more aware that there are people out there that have various kinds of abilities that don't fit the mold of our typical religious education that may find it more difficult to be at Mass as well, and yet we want to be as welcoming to them as we are to everybody else. How can we be better, right, as a church for all people?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things is just not to be alarmed, not to be worried, not to be concerned. If someone has something a little bit different, you know, if somebody pulls out a STEM toy or if somebody has, for example, agoraphobia, social phobia, and they come to mass and they're very much like hunched down in their little world and they don't want to talk to anybody and not to kind of be judgmental about them, but just to accept them as whole people. But with that kind of that particular struggle, you know, they aren't stuck feeling like, Oh, I have this, this struggle and I go to mass and people just like look down on me for the struggle I'm trying to work with, you know? Whereas they go to mass I feel like, okay, people accept me for who I am. People accept me, help me to be good in the situation I'm in. They don't just say, oh, well, you're deaf or you have agoraphobia or you're autistic. Well, you know, like you can kind of go over there and, you know, do your thing, but we're not going to accept you. Whereas really what Jesus teaches us is to to accept everyone and to help everyone to, to follow virtue, to live virtue, to, be, to imitate him. That's gonna look a little different for people in different situations. It's not immoral to, to pull out a stim toy to stim while you're in mass because that helps you focus. It's just different. And sometimes you have to realize, okay, this is the, we're not gonna make a scene about this because this is different, it's not, a, it's not an issue.
0: Right, and that's one of the big things. Maybe you grow up in a world where you don't know anybody, you know, who, who's like that. But but be aware, it's a growing percentage of people that have these issues, and we need to not look at that like they're just being
1: weird. I think it's just kind of to realize, okay, this is this person trying to live in this world that's difficult for them in the way they can. And I think a lot of times, like as far as sensory input, a lot of the sensory issues that autistics have, were not so much issues, you know, 100, 150 years ago, simply because of how the systems were built. You know, you didn't have electronic sound systems. You went to the parish and it was, you know, a few hundred people and it just was their voices. And so it wasn't amplified electronic sound you know lights weren't super bright in general you know you might have had a candle
0: i never actually thought of thought through that piece of it right but I, I think you're right it's only recently that this this sudden very loud noises and the very bright lights were even were very likely during a worship service and so that's why the sensory friendly masses can be can be really helpful uh anything else father matthew that we that we feel that we need to touch on so i
1: think one of the things is just to if anybody wants to reach out you can find me online uh, autistic priest on facebook and Twitter, or FR Matthew L C on basically any social media. The autistic priest is definitely obviously more about autism and Catholicism, autism and spirituality. And FR Matthew LC is just a more general commentary on the faith and our uh, living our Christian faith in general. When we put this page
0: up, if, if you're listening to this podcast, the page is up. So uh, yeah. So so it's www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being dash pro life. We'll have Father Matthew's links up there if you're interested in following him more all right well thanks for talking with us today about people with disabilities how we can be more welcoming hopefully we've learned a few things that we can take home to our parishes and be more aware of how we can all reach out to the marginalized in our communities thanks for talking with us today thank you very much god bless you and i want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our being pro-life series Head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.